Cheers to another one. Knives down. Aprons off. The last table is served. The station is broken down. Everything's labeled and put away. Your inventory is complete, and now it's time to meet me on the back dock where all the most important meetings are held. Take a deep breath and enjoy a job well done. We chef! At ease, kick off your clogs, smoke them if you got them. In this episode, the Burnt Chef Project's founder, Chris Hall, meets us on the back dock to dish about how hard it was watching his chef friends burn out, leave the industry, or worse, tap out because they didn't have access to resources or thought their voices didn't matter or that no one cared enough to get past their armor and ask the deeper question, when was the last time you thought about suicide? My name is Adam Lamb, and I've been a chef for over 30 years. And on this show, we're about facilitating change in our current culinary career culture. The work can be hard. Doesn't necessarily mean it should be harsh. The work can be demanding. Doesn't have to be demeaning. More belonging, less belittling, more family, and less fuck you. How about a nice cold beverage? Maybe one of these, uh, one of us will have to bury the other aged Mexican-style lager from North Carolina's own burial brewing company. You know, something to strengthen our resolve, get us moving, if not in the right direction, then at least with the right motivation. We? Oh, yes, chef. Pull up a crate, get comfortable, and let's dive deep with Chris Hall. I suppose really the whole reason why I started the Burnt Chef Project was just because, you know, I was having these conversations on a regular basis with, you're walking with a truffle, you're walking with, you know, your, your finest gold leaf, and your chef, chef, friend, client, you know, whoever it might be, it just looks like they've been dragged through a bush backwards. And you're saying, like, you know, what's the problem? Oh, it's, you know, it's 80-hour weeks this week, someone's let me down, you know, I've got stuff going on at home. You know, the, this is going on at work. It's just, it's constantly piling up on me. And it was just something wasn't quite right. You know, comparing it to my other backgrounds where perhaps you'd work nine hours a day, you know, you, you might get a good half an hour, 45 minutes for lunch. You know, you knew when your breaks were. And I was just looking at this industry going, there's something fundamentally wrong here and it's not sustainable. And I saw even two years ago that just this model, it's not sustainable. and you know, thank God I did, and thank God I started to come up with some solutions for this and some guidance. Because if I hadn't done it, COVID definitely would have, definitely would have, uh, you know, put this, put these wheels in motion. So you actually started the project because you felt called by the the relationships that you were having, and just they were reflecting back just what a tough time they were having, and so you just took it upon yourself to do it. Uh, partly, yeah. The The other reason why I started it was because I'm 34 now. And when I was 29, I was having a real, real hard time with my mental health. I didn't know it. I just thought it was everyone else's problem and not mine, uh, as we often tend to. And then, you know, I, it culminated in me going home out of the blue one day. You know, I was a captain of the local rugby club. I'm a married married man with two children. And I went home. Thank you. Although sometimes, you know, it's a it's a tough <laughs> gig. Oh, please don't let my wife hear this. But uh, <laughs> I I went home out of the blue and just asked my wife for a divorce. Completely, completely sideswiped her, and she sort of couldn't understand where it was coming from. And in my head, for years, I'd just been building up that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough mm. to be part of a you know, rugby club, I wasn't good enough to be accepted by my friends or my workplace. I wasn't, 
you know, I wasn't fitting within my marriage. And call it a personality crisis, call it some degree of depression, but ultimately it, it, I'd hit rock bottom and I was at complete odds, you know, to the point where I was actually believing that when I walked around and looked at people walking through the street, but they didn't have anything going on in their head. And I was envious of other people that they had this big black <laughs> space in their head. And here I was worrying about every last thing in my life on a daily basis and not and losing sleep over it. So I went to go get some cognitive behavioral therapy, um, which lasted for a couple of months. And it gave me this perception on life. And I realized that I didn't have any core values. And so that put me on a bit of a you know two-year long um, life journey to try and establish who I was, but also what I wanted to do within life. And, you know, talking about my experiences with some of the people that I was working with uh, just led me to the recognizing that I wasn't alone in this and that there were mm -hmm. other people out there that could benefit from having this conversation. But perhaps, certainly within a hospitality environment, it wasn't the done thing to do so because. You know, it's a badge of honor. You've got to be tough. You can't let the team down. Any sign of weakness, mm -hmm. and that's it. You, you know, you're thrown to the wolves. And for me, I was like, I don't want anyone else to 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 experience. And I use the word experience rather than suffer. Experience what I went through because it's not great. There is there is light at the end of the tunnel, but yeah, it, so much of that could be helped through open conversation and dialogue. So yes, I, I, I yeah. took it upon myself, not knowing what I was doing, just that I wanted to raise some awareness through, um, through some black and white photos that I was taking. <laughs> yeah, um, they're brilliant, man. They're brilliant. Yeah. We see a lot of them on the website, you know, the black and white images of the chef's faces really up tight and close. And most of them are, uh, most of them are not smiling. <laughs> No, to be you caught it. You, you caught them in good moments. <laughs> so, as you established these core values and really started to embody them, how did that change your relationship with your wife? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, Sorry, buddy. No, no, that's fine. My wife is a very strong character she comes from a family of farmers uh, in the west country of somerset mm. who are very stoic and that was one reasons why i always second guessed myself because i was looking at my father-in-law and my brother-in-law and going christ these are these are men you know you know my father-in-law yeah. climbs trees and cuts them down for a living you know get, raises aberdeen angus calves never complains you know, he could cut his own arm off with a chainsaw, turn a K up and still climb up a tree and finish this job, you know? And here I am, I get stung by a wasp over here or a yellow jacket and that's it. I'm screaming and running down the hill. So yeah. it, it's it's taken a few years to, to rectify and rebuild bridges and to also get some degree of equilibrium back because what I was finding is that every single time my wife was asking me to do something, you know, do you mind doing the dishes? Do you mind taking the kids to school? Whatever it might be, I felt that it was a personal attack on me, and it it just it it just rocked me every single time. It put me off kilter, and it wasn't until I realised that I couldn't actually say, I I could say no. I mean, in the most cases, you want to say yes to your wife and make you know make her happy, sure. especially when it comes down to your kids. But it was because I felt that I couldn't say no, and I felt like I didn't have a decision in it. So over a few years, we've managed to get that sort of equilibrium where I'm actually like. 
but I can't do that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not able to do that at this moment in time. I'm not. And we've we've ended up coming to this uh yeah, I would say this as I say, an equilibrium now. It's an understanding in our relationship now, sort of seven years on our anniversary was two days ago, seven years on our wedding anniversary, we're um yeah, we're we're in a much better place than we ever have been. That's awesome. You know, when I decided to reboot this uh podcast, I committed to, you know, not only talking to chefs in the industry, but also talking to experts in other fields. So, you know, in a couple of weeks we're gonna be talking to this relationship coach that my wife and I used a year ago because we got so much out of it. And I recognize that one of the biggest lies we tell ourselves, or at least I'll own it and say, you know, I share that core value of transparency and, and vulnerability with you because there's no way that I can ask anybody else to do that if I'm not going to be there first. But I recognize that one of the biggest lies I ever told myself is, you know, I leave it at the door, right? Come in the kitchen and now you're going to don your apron like a, like a piece of armor and uh, buckle down and, Granted, sometimes kind of the rote, rhythmic, mechanical things that you do to go through your day kind of allows, allowed me, my, my mind to kind of disengage and only be focused on what was in front of me, which is a great distraction, but it never really helped me sort anything else out. That problem was always waiting. And I always felt the stress of that, whether I would admit it to anybody or not. So so for me, it's like, I want to be able to assist in any way that serves. And this conversation about mental health is also so intrinsically wound with physical health and relational health. And, you know, it's all part of the same thing. So I don't want anybody telling themselves the same lie that, you know, they can go to work and just, and, and it be okay, at least for a while. I read a post yesterday where this this young woman decided to leave her current employer even though she felt guilty about it because of everything she's read about, you know, that the industry's on its backside and nobody's coming in through the door. And she understood that because she was dealing with those kinds of stresses. But she was asking the group like, oh, so how should I feel about this? And what would your response, Chris, be? I mean, to me, it seems pretty simple, but go ahead. I don't know. Again, I think for me, like, she feels the way she feels. And no one can tell her any differently. Like, no one can tell her that's correct. No one can tell her that's wrong. Everyone's going to feel differently about it. You know, you're going to have people out there who say, ah, fuck it. You know, you, you're better than that. And you can have other people saying, oh, mm -hmm. actually, no, you should, you should stick with it. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But I think sure. ultimately what you've got to trust is that little thing called gut instinct, which over the years we've we've taught ourselves to ignore. But actually, over the over the years of evolution and how we've changed as human beings, and we think that our brains become smarter and more able to cope with everything, our gut stayed exactly the same. And our gut's been with us in an, the same format for thousands more years than our brain has done, right? It's full of much, much more nerve endings. And I think the point I'm trying to make is that we need to start spending more time listening to our gut instincts. So if your gut tells you that you feel guilty, then you need to perhaps lean into that and find out exactly why is it that you feel guilty? Is it because you feel like you owe this employer something? In which case, you know, what is it that you owe the employer? And what do you owe yourself? You know, what is it that 
that you need in life to to be fulfilled and to be enriched. Yes, you need to pay pay the bills. Yes, you need to, you know, have purpose. But at the same time, do you need to have those things at sacrifice of your own well-being, your own physical, mental health, and also, you know, the relationships around you? You can have, and I think, again, we in this industry, we perhaps become a little bit blinkered and we believe that we have to stay where we are because we're not going to get it as good as we've got in the current place. But the industry is the third largest sector in the entire world. You know, this is a profession that employs 72 million people worldwide. The chances are there's going to be another place out there that may completely <laughs> blow your mind way open and offer you opportunities yeah. and balances that you have never, never even conceived before. I think that's, uh, I think that's great advice. Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of self-nurture only because for most of my career, I didn't even know what the hell that was. I thought self-nurture was, you know, hanging out with the boys and girls after work and, you know, having a couple pops or whatever else was going on in the bathroom. But as I've gotten a little bit long in the tooth, I recognize that that could be just about anything, whether that's exercise or a hot bath or a massage or whatever. But I recognize that the people that are drawn to this industry are are drawn to it because they, they feel something inside that they want to give. They want to nurture others. So very often we're putting ourselves way at the end of the queue as far as, as far as folks to take care of. And, um, again, through my own experience, I would say that it's really hard to give from an empty cup. Yeah. And and I think we take the whole service industry as almost a step too far. Like let's not let's not beat around the bush here. If you're a chef, <laughs> if you're a chef, your job is to put someone's dinner onto a plate. You can dress it mm -hmm. up in as many different ways as you want. You can make as brilliant bechamels or jus, or you can do whatever you need to and serve it up in as many different ways. But ultimately, we're serving people food, and I think that. We need to just take a step back and understand that, yes, our jobs are in the service industry, but we also need to be responsible for servicing ourselves and servicing, you know, those around us as well. And I think that's that's one thing that you know, COVID has really done very well is it's given that spotlight effect to the fact that actually we haven't really been looking after ourselves so well. We spent so much time looking after other people that. <laughs> We're now in some pretty dire states when it comes to ourselves. So we just, you know, this is a lesson, a, a huge once in a lifetime, once in a generation time lesson that, we, that we're, we're currently learning and we're trying to find our way out of. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Chris, do you have any final thoughts? I no, I, mean, I, you've, love, for, I love <laughs> you've obviously had so many going in your head right now. Uh, mate, honestly, if I could, if I could even... If I could even begin to try and articulate the route, I mean, again, every, everything that the Burnt Chef project has been built on is people telling me that I can't do things, it's never going to change, and that, you know, this is a problem that's here to stay. And so, absolutely everything. The thing that really gets me, and again, this is about mentality. So, the thing that really hurts me is I'm still too close to this at this moment in time. So when you get a message come through from someone that 
you failed because they haven't been able to use the service. Perhaps your instructions weren't clear enough or they weren't able to ah. use it in the right way. And they tell you that you're no good. You should shut down, that you're not doing any good for the industry. That for me is, it hurts. But rather than look at that as a personal attack, which you know it has taken me a little bit of time to get over, I start looking at it as the why. Why is that the case? You know, what have we not done right? What can we do better in order to make our thing right? And I just think that for anyone that's listening out there and thinks, you know what, Chris, you've got this completely wrong or you've not managed to do this, then please come, explain, talk to me. Chances are that if I'm wrong, I'll put my hands up, I'll say, okay, I didn't see it like that before. Great suggestion. You know, I had a, I had, um, a lady... Uh, a lovely black lady, she came to me recently and said, why haven't you got any uh, training on slavery, uh, and modern-day slavery? And I was like, well, why? And she was like, well, this is the reason why. And it happened to my dad, and he worked in hospitality. And I was like, bloody great idea. Awesome idea. Like, I can't believe I missed it. I'm so mm -hmm. sorry that, you know, that I didn't have this answer right. So I think that I'm human. I make mistakes. I'm not going to be able to solve every single problem at time, but but in time we will do if we start working more together as an industry. This is the great thing about hospitality. We are a giant bloody team. We need to stop eating mm -hmm. at each other and start working out how we can work together to fix this. And it might just be a small thing like asking EKP where he went to eat with his, his family last night or her family last night and what, she, what mm -hmm. he liked about that meal and what influences he would like to see on the menu and what flavor is it involved? You know, it might be starting with something small like that, that, that valuing a member of your team. Or it could be saying to me, Chris, actually, do you know what? This is a big problem within the industry. And I'd like to know either A, how you're, how you're looking to address it, or B, what can we do to get it fixed? So it's not really a final point. I think it was more of a soliloquy, but ultimately I'm here to help and help me to help you. And let's all work, get this together. You know, I don't want, I don't want a massive gold star above my head for any of this. I just want to make sure that somewhere, someone somewhere knows that they're not alone. And that Well, that's, that's why it's so interesting because, you know, I had to search for you, right? Because it's not necessarily apparent on the website, right? So you can go all through it and it's almost like the work is, is more important than who you are as an individual or, or the individuals coming together to produce this. And I, I appreciate that because what it says to me is there's very little ego that's involved, right? It's all coming from a very sincere place. And if I knew of another website or, and I mean the website only as the front facing portion of this, but I recognize all the work that went into that. And I just want to say for every other culinarian out there in the world, uh, listening to this or interacting with that website, I really thank you, man, because it is, um, as I said earlier, it's an amazing resource, but the resource doesn't mean shit if you're not going to use it. So I encourage everybody to get in there, dig in, find stuff that you like, find stuff that you, you know, don't like, you want to argue about it, you want to have a conversation, that's fantastic. Because the reality is we are all in this together. We either rise together or we fall solely alone. And I want to leave this industry better than when I found it. This has been a special crew member only episode of On The Dock. Can't tell you how much it means to me that you are part of the crew, stepping in and raising your voice to be counted. 
There's a new kitchen culture coming, and we all get to be part of it. It's what we always wanted to begin with. We'll be dropping new episodes soon, including Line Check, music to break the line down to. Here at Chef Life Radio, we believe that working in a kitchen should be demanding. It shouldn't have to be demeaning. It should be hard. It just doesn't have to be harsh. We believe that it's possible to have more solidarity and less suck it up sunshine, more compassion, less cutthroat island. We believe in more partnership and less put up or shut up, more family and less fuck you. Needless to say, we believe in you. Finally, consider for a second for all the blood, sweat, and tears we put into what we do that really, at the end of the day, it's just some stuff on a plate. None of it really matters. It doesn't define you as a person or make you any more special or less than anyone else. It's just the dance that we're engaged in, so we might as well laugh and enjoy every bit of it. Or didn't you know that the purpose of your life should be to enjoy it? Check us out at facebook.com forward slash Chef Life Radio, Twitter at Chef Life Radio, Instagram at Chef Life Radio, Stand tall and frosty, brothers and sisters. Until next time, be well and do good. This show was written, produced, and recorded by me, Adam Lamb, at the Dish Pit in Bardo, North Carolina. It's co-produced by Thomas Stephenson. Chef Life Radio is a product of Foodworks Media.